All right, everybody, we are back with episode two of Breakpoint, and um, let's go ahead. In the absence of Novak Djokovic, can Matteo Berrettini rise to the top? Spoiler alert, no he can't. Let's take a listen. Episode 2, Take the Crown. So this is still covering the 2022 Australian Open. Uh, Now, this says two days before the Australian Open. Uh, They're going to cover the deportation saga here. Let's take a listen to this. This will be interesting. Novak Djokovic's supporters, they've been protesting for days now. One of them. On the government to allow Novak Djokovic to take part in the Australian Open and defend his title. This is a world famous athlete. Shout out to Paul Sakal. The guy that worked for the press down there that was on tennis podcasts when this was going on. He was a good podcast guest. One of my favorite podcast titles that I've done for the show so far, the first Megapod that uh, we did, the one with Madeline from the Australian Open this year in 2023, it was called Unspeakable Persecution. Oh, here's a picture of Craig Tiley. That guy was terrible. He completely mishandled all of that. He was wrong every step of the way. I believe he is still employed there. He kind of rode the press. Uh, he kind of survived that period. He kept his head down. Then the press moved on. So he kind of did that whole thing that people do in bad PR situations. But man, he was terrible. Craig Tiley was wrong every step of the way. He's out. Oh my god, this is fucking bonkers. <laughs> well, I mean, there's one less person to worry about. <laughs> Tiafo's great. I like him. Breakpoint, episode two. Take the crown. The last few days here in Melbourne have seen some outrageous tennis. Yay! But yeah, I guess I can talk about the deportation here. I'm gonna have to remind myself we're doing a podcast here. We're not just sitting here saying nothing. I gotta say something when all this stuff is going on. But the unspeakable persecution title, I thought it was one of my best titles ever because it accurately summarized... Djokovic's uh, sort of redemption arc when he came back to win the Australian Open this year in 2023 it was like he overcame a personal uh, tribulation of great religious or cosmic uh, or soulful significance the greatest players of all time have dominated this tournament for decades are no longer standing in their way. Um, yeah, that's wrong. What do you mean the greatest players are no longer there? It's a massive opportunity. Spoiler alert, Rafael Nadal won this tournament, so try again, Netflix. They're definitely trying to force narratives. Didn't matter, Courtney. A very challenging time for me. Last year and a half with my foot, I was... It's a very challenging time for me, no? That wasn't very good by me. It's really a great opportunity for some of the younger players to bag a slam for the And yet, they did not. Spoiler alert, they did not. Why are they talking to Sharapova for this? But it's pretty exciting. The draw is wide open, but for me, the strongest contender 
He didn't do that well at this tournament, right? Let me look that up because I'm watching on my computer. I can pull it out, you know. Let's check it out, Matteo Berrettini. Let's talk about Berrettini for a second. I mean, just today. Let's talk about his recent results. Eh, maybe not. What about where's the Australian Open? Australian Open from last year. Let's pull it up. Um. Oh, he got to the semis? Seriously? Holy shit! Semi-finals. I completely forgot about that. Who the hell did he beat? Um... 2022 Australian Open. Uh... He was in the top section? Second section? Okay. Oh, right! He beat Carlos Alcaraz! I don't... I actually don't really remember that, but that's a big win. It was really hard, but he taught me so much. Um, then he beat Carreno Busta. Oh, then he beat Monfils. Then he lost to Rafa. I kind of remember that, maybe. But yeah, Berrettini got to the semis? I cannot believe I forgot that. Um... But let's talk about how Berrettini's been doing recently. It's been a complete nightmare for him. After this rise to the top of the game, in there's very few players on this planet that want to see him anywhere near them in the draw. In 2021, he got to the Wimbledon finals, which I think says a lot. And lost to Djokovic in four sets. Like my sir, my I think. Are dangerous. Um, Once he gets a hold of you with that forehand. Once he's got his teeth into you and has the pattern that he wants, it's really hard to get out of jail. I tried to make that. And run. he won a bunch on grass in 2022. Did Berrettini. And, and this, this but in 2023, he's just had terrible results. Um, largely due to injury. I mean, really, since he made the the semifinals at this tournament that they're covering on the documentary right now. So he made the semis at Australia 2022, missed the French Open, missed Wimbledon, um, quarterfinals U.S., and uh, first round at the Australian Open this year, and didn't play the French Open. Um, what his legacy can be. Um, oh yeah, the Australian Open this year, the five-hour match. Wow, I've I've kind of forgotten Matteo Berrettini existed the last couple months. But if we go to uh, let's just talk about this year. So Australian Open this year, he lost the five-hour match to Andy Murray, who played another five-hour match after that. But um, that was a final set tiebreak as well. Then um, didn't win a game against Holger Runa in Acapulco, I think it is. Um, he, was, he had to have been injured there. Indian Wells lost to Taro Daniel in his first match. He entered the Phoenix Challenger and could not win that. He lost to Sevchenko. When Berrettini was coming in as the top seed, um, Miami lost in the first round to Mackenzie McDonald in straight sets. Um, gave a walkover at Monte Carlo because he was injured. Um, and just today, he hadn't played since Monte Carlo, so he's been out for two months. And just today, as we're taping this, June 12th, 2023. He won three games against Lorenzo Sinego, um, uh in Stuttgart today. It was not a good scene. He left the court in tears. Um, so Berrettini has really been derailed by injuries and also a crisis of confidence. Um, you know, and obviously this bevy this extended string of negative results or of you know early round losses 
it's really tough for him because he had kind of been establishing himself as a grass court or as a one of the few guys that could really play on grass that was a top player because lots of the top players they kind of suck on grass you're playing for titles that's you know kind of the goal but when you are a lower ranked player especially if you're in the top 50 or so getting that first round win is huge you're talking about one hundred thousand dollars in first round prize money that could just make is this tom lanovich they're talking about here i believe so so one of the few things that i do know about this documentary is that it chronicles the relationship between uh berrettini and tom lanovich that was just on the wikipedia page here and let me go get the stats on that because like I was saying in the last episode, um, I don't really cover the sort of relationship, culture, off-the-court stuff too much. Um, from 2019 to 2022, Berrettini was in a relationship with Croatian-born Australian tennis player Alia Tomlanovic. So yeah, that's something that kind of is interesting to me as well. With a show like this, Curios's girlfriend was in the last episode. They were in a relationship, and in this episode of the show, Berrettini and Tomlanovich are in this episode, and they were in a relationship. And that relationship has since ended, but it lives on forever um, through this Netflix show. And I wonder. When she was uh, personally, how does that feel, right? Like, 25 years from now, are they going to remember that fondly? Do they want to avoid watching the show to avoid that relationship? Or do they have a more positive recollection of it? Or does it just sort of become something that's out there? Kind of interesting, isn't it? I always thought the thing missing from her was... Obviously, we're dealing with young people here in the grand scheme of human beings. People in their teens and 20s and, you know, sometimes their 30s, but Berrettini is still in his 20s. He is 27 years of age now, so he would have been uh, 25 when they filmed this, I think. April birthday. Everything started in 2019. He's talking about the relationship now, I think. <laughs> you. I her on Instagram. In all honesty, it wasn't like love at first sight. I like the fact that Berrettini is a good-looking guy. He could be in a men's cologne commercial. Easy. It was something that, over time... That's great. part of his appeal, is that he's a good-looking guy. Ooh, now they're filmed going into their hotel room. Ooh. If we actually finish it. No, you're the one that's always falling Their room is a complete mess. So relatable. Honestly... Honestly, my apartment that I live in now, I've never let it get as dirty as their hotel room is in that shot. Never. Oh, they're watching a rom-com, you guys. Okay. Maybe I should cover this kind of stuff more. It can be fun. We obviously understand each other. Do the frivolous stuff. To many, tennis would be considered frivolous. You know, everybody has their kind of media obsession that they enjoy obsessing about and watching. For some, it's like stuff you see on Entertainment Tonight or on Extra. For some, it's tennis player relationships. And for still others, it can be sports. Even though the sports fans like to think their uh, interest is more uh, serious, but uh, sometimes it's not. It's all frivolous at the end of the day compared to... Issues of humanity and civilization. This is all just a distraction. For Isla, it's a terrible opening draw. Badosa, she played Badosa in the first round. Okay. 
Oh, shout out to Paula Badosa and Stefano Sitsipas again. As of this taping, they are still uh, boyfriend and girlfriend, it appears. This sport is a drug. Winning big titles, winning big matches. It's very, very addictive. Oh, that's an interesting quote. She's a tough player. She's a fighter, and in the Grand Slam, you're always um, a little bit more nervous. Now, it's not gonna be easy. It's not gonna be easy. You're gonna have to fight for every point. The ball is gonna come back, and you're gonna have to keep this. Okay? Let's go. They come on court wearing masks. Hashtag January 2022. I'm the underdog, but I like being in that position. Here we go. Best of three sets. Isla has always been a player who is very. I wonder what Tomlanovich has been doing and recently. So been one of the biggest challenges for Did Isla. she make a run at Wimbledon last year? Let's find out. Let's look but this up while the show is going on. In big moments. Ready? Um, performance timelines. Yeah, she made the quarters. She's, spoiler alert, she's going to go on to lose this match. Um, but she made the quarters at Wimbledon, and she made the quarters th at the U.S. Open in 2022, and the quarters of Cincinnati. But she hasn't played either Grand Slam in 2023. Um, Alright, reading from Wikipedia here. Tomlanovich was announced to be a part of the Australian 2023 United Cup team. Uh, before Australia's tie against Great Britain, Tomlanovich announced her withdrawal from her first match against Harriet Dart due to a knee injury. Tomlanovich was then scheduled to play Spain's Paula Badosa, same as what we're listening to right now, in the following days. However, she did not participate for the same reason. Two days before the start of the 2023 Australian Open, Tomlanovich again had to uh, withdraw from her home Grand Slam event due to the same lingering knee issue. Despite the hiatus, she reached a career-high ranking of world number 32 on April 3rd, 2023. Let's look her up on the WTA here. What she? What has she been doing? She just turned 30. So, both of us are 30. Um, activity. She hasn't played in 2023. And her last victory... Outside of that... Her last victory was at uh, the Guadalajara... Open the Guadalajara WTA 1000 event. She beat um, someone ranked at 144. I start thinking. Prior to the, her last top 100 win was uh, shortly before that in uh, Ost Ostrava with the exclamation point. So she had a good year last year, but she has not backed it up this year. And with Wimbledon coming, hopefully she can uh, repeat her quarterfinal appearance and uh, actually get points for it this time. That would be nice, That's wouldn't it? Where everything started kind of going downhill. No, 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 no. She started changing. She's losing the. My early reaction is this episode is not quite as entertaining as the first episode. Spiraling. Hey, it's the Nick Curios effect, right? Curios draws more eyeballs. Coming at me all at once. Come on. You're good, you're good, you're good. Stay positive. That little voice in your head doesn't stop. Not as many interesting quotes so far. Let's talk about uh, Badosa, shall we? Let's find out what she has been doing recently. I blink and it's five Let's see. Because she's been kind of on a slip a little bit. She's down to 34 in the rankings. Let's check out her recent uh, activity. Um, she did get to the quarters of Rome, but she did not play Roland Garros. Round of 16, Madrid. Quarterfinal, Stuttgart. Quarterfinal, Charleston. Round of 32, Miami. Round of 32, Indian Wells. First round, Dubai. 
first round Doha. Semis of Adelaide skipped the Australian Open. So she hasn't played either major so far this year either. Let me just uh, confirm that with Wikipedia. Gotta get that A confirmation. And again, Bedosa is now with Sitsipas. We can uh, cover that as well. But just to do the the statistics here. So it's kind of interesting. This Netflix show right now, they're talking about a Grand Slam match between Bedosa and Tomlanovic. And neither player has played a Grand Slam so far in 2023. What's the point of being out there if I don't believe I can win? Well, there's certain things that you can control, certain things that you cannot control. Maybe this is in my control, I'm just controlling it horribly. Like, maybe I'm doing something wrong. I don't know. Like, it's easy. I just retired. I feel like, well... Have I been fucking crazy? Like no, no, it's no, no. it's you, you have it's screwing there. up my mind. No, 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 no. You you have something there. Do what? Yeah, tough back scenes moments for Tomlanovich here. So how are they gonna? And this gets into. If you're Netflix, you don't know what's going to happen, right? Storylines that you could hope happen when you lose might not happen. You could have won or something like that. Does it help you when you kind of like say, okay, I'm going to try this different. I'm not going to have regrets. No, you, you so do much. that better than me. I don't do that as well. You sound like you know exactly like mm. what you're doing. I mean, doing. of course I had doubts and stuff. Like I had fears and... What if it's not going to work? But I knew all the experiences that you're doing them in the end, eventually, they're going to be helpful in the moments when you're going to win. These conversations feel more natural to me than anything that Curios did in the last episode. In the last episode, I was talking about how much of this is performative for the cameras. Berrettini and Tomlanovic seem more genuine to me. Now they're showing a practice between Berrettini and Tsitsipas. Sometimes you're less comfortable with that. You're lacking something there. On the normal ones, you're timing it really well, says Berrettini's coach in presumably Italian. When we first met, he was just a little kid. He had a strong personality, tenacious, a real will to win. And he was curious, so he listened. I hope so. I don't know if he still listens to me. It's a good question. The action continues to heat up as the third round gets underway. As the challengers continue their progress towards the finals, Rafael Nadal also managed to battle his way through four sets to reach the first next real game. mention of Rafa here, and we're almost an episode and a half into covering the Australian Open. Well, for the moment, yes. <laughs> but there's one draw that everyone's talking about. World number seven, Matteo Berrettini, faces young gun Carlos Alcaraz. Yeah. In the third round in a slam, it's it's gonna be really tough. Man, Alcaraz looks even so much more of a baby face than he does even now. And this is only less than a year and a half later. The teenager that we haven't seen the likes of since a young Rafa Nadal. Yep. This is Paul Anacone speaking there. Just awesome physical talent and understands what it takes to manage moments of huge pressure. Does he, though? Does he, though, Paul? After the cramps? He's one of the rising stars of the, of the tour, and it's impressive. Mm -hmm. 
So yeah, this match went 7-6 in the 5th, and I don't really remember it that well. I must have watched it, I must have. But also, like in a way, I feel like there is also that kind of pressure, you know? Now I'm a little bit older. There are it's crazy how much Alcaraz looked like Rafa during this period. Much more, even much more so than he does now. It's my time. Oh, there's a shot of Craig Tiley. Boo! Now or never. Matteo Berrettini versus Carlos Alcaraz. From Spain, Carlos Alcaraz. Carlos Alcaraz, the new kid on the block. Yep. Rafa. And he's opponent, our seventh seed from Italy, Matteo Berrettini. I feel nervous, but I try to be nervous. <laughs> it's, it's a good thing. First sense. Alcaraz has had his fitness issues too, hasn't he? So both Berrettini and Alcaraz have been derailed by injuries at times since this was filmed. Just like the last match that they covered here between Tomlanovic and uh, Bedosa. Um, you know, Berrettini, I talked about his injuries just a couple moments ago. And Alcaraz, he's had his moments of frailty. He missed this year's Australian Open with injury. So that makes it three, right? So all four of the players that they've covered here, Tomlanovic, uh, Bedosa, um, 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 uh, Alcaraz, the three of them didn't play this tournament the next year, and Berrettini did, and he didn't win a match. So all four of these players, the next year, at the 2023 Australian Open, they won a grand total of zero matches. So again, I kind of ask, if you're Netflix, that c you can be dealt a tough hand. The stuff that you're covering or the stuff that you decide to make your show about, that can become dated pretty quickly. And maybe this is a show that is not going to be an evergreen show because of that. But it'll be interesting. In 10 years, will this show be relevant? If you want to watch the first season of Breakpoint in 10 years, what's it going to be like? Is it going to be interesting to you, or is it not going to be? I mean, we're only 18 months from this tournament being staged, and five months after these episodes initially dropped, and it's not holding my interest as well as it could. Everything can change. The momentum Again, the ins and outs of a five-set match, that's not what you watch Netflix for. That's what you watch the broadcast for, or you go on YouTube and find a replay of the actual match. You don't need Netflix to summarize it for you. Mindset. And the crowd is all for him. Your brain fucks with you. <laughs> you just want to get out of that situation. Carlos Alcaraz has turned this match on its head. And it's fifth set time on Rod Labor Arena. I feel like a lot of fear. I'm not going to be able to, to win this match. But as always, it's the balance between the fear and the will. If there is no fear, there is no will. One thing that is good about the show so far is that it's subject-driven. There's not really any narration. Um, quotes from players, quotes from agents, quotes from tennis media or the interviews with these people. That's what's carrying the show. It's in that way, it's kind of like an oral history. It's not a news person editorializing, or, you know, not from the Netflix side, anyway. 
It's just using quotes to shape a story. Oh, Berrettini's hurt. I forgot about that. Let's just hope that Berrettini is okay here. He should have been fine, right? Because he won. Is this where he threw up or whatever? I think about how hard I work. Is that something that happened? It's just impossible to. He's flexing his right foot. Took his shoe off. Now putting his right shoe back on. And they're carrying on. Again, Berrettini made the semifinals. He's fine. Here comes that fifth set tiebreak. We are into a super tiebreak to decide this match. It's just first to ten points. Yep. The fear of losing brings me to my best level. Continue to lock horns. Three hours and fifty-five minutes in, almost at the four-hour. If I genuinely don't have something to say, I'm not gonna say it. I'm just watching the show. I'll try to fill that air with discussions like I have so far, but if I've talked about all the match-adjacent stuff, I'm just gonna let the audio play out, just like this. Don't really have anything else to say about these guys. I am really proud. He's pumped. I that was a big win, even then. I think my biggest, biggest weapon is not my service, not my forehand, but it's like my, my mindset. That was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck! Now it's time to suffer, says Berrettini. It is time for a post-match ice bath. Yeah, I'd like you to go lower into the ice bath. My love. Hello. My love. Amazing. Fantastic. You're a hero. You're on Netflix, Grandma. Amazing. Thank you. Mamma Mia, how wonderful. Darling, you were great. Let me show you Grandpa. We did it. We beat his ass. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. I love you. You too. Bye. Kisses to Alia. Yes, bye. How handsome you are. Now, the two of them are walking back to their hotel room again. It's still very messy. Stuff's all over the floor. Man, they just have stuff all over the couch. Even I have a problem with that. I'm not, you know. What's your schedule tomorrow? My apartment is not pristine 100% of the time. But even I have a problem with their cleanliness level here. I'm going to wake up at 7.45. Where do you have to go? I, I have to do... Um, tennis channel at 8.15 like live so I'm going to be in that room but I'm not going to be able to be silent. That's interesting. No, I don't care but this is no. Like I have to sleep. What are you talking about? 8.15 though. What? Well, it's okay but it's Where should I go? Well, somewhere else. You go downstairs and you ask for, for a room for... Oh, she's was she going to do a Zoom for tennis channel? No, that's exactly... So she wasn't going to go to the actual set? Okay, I'm just going to do what you said. I'm going to find a business center, go downstairs. And I'm going to say on air that you kicked yeah. me out. Okay, but they're going to agree. <laughs> <laughs> I'm leaving us straight over. Who cares about 10 minutes? Like It's like, okay, fine, fine. <laughs> See, now, is this a real argument or is this an argument for the cameras? Yeah. Is he actually upset or what? Tennis players 
are notoriously Mateo self-centered you gotta but they have you gotta to let her do the zoom call man you have to give and take in that relationship and putting you first in order for them to win these big titles So how much did they cover Djokovic? Two minutes? How much have they One covered Rafa? Two minutes? To death and I've used a thousand times is you always question all-time greats at your own peril. Yeah, now we're getting back to Rafa here. Nadal arrived in Melbourne back from a career-threatening foot injury Was it? Was it a career-threatening foot injury? Did it really threaten his career? I mean, he won two Grand Slams coming after coming back from the quote-unquote foot injury. Just saying. The way Nadal deals with things is insane. He's like, like God, that was like the craziest fucking thing I've ever seen. This guy never gives up. Literally comes back from being down all the time. Yes. Oh my goodness. Rafa doing Rafa things. For me, Rafa Nadal is the greatest competitor that's ever played any sport. Is he? Is Djokovic better? Nadal is a more uh, emotional competitor. He plays it up more on the court. Djokovic does it in a more quiet manner. So because Nadal shows all the emotion, people mistake that for being a better competitor than Djokovic, which might not actually be true. It doesn't feel real. I'm doing it and I just Yes, I'm aware Djokovic has done the you know, the shirt ripping and stuff, but if you put Djokovic and Nadal side by side and you said which one celebrates more demonstrably, Nadal would be the correct answer. Looking at him or watching him when when I was a kid, so now being the same draw and all this stuff, like it feels really nice. It feels special. Another shot of shirtless Matteo there. Hmm. Don't you think it's funny how last uh, two years ago I left at US Open in the same moment? Yeah, I was thinking exactly the same. You left the night before my match, like exactly the same. Good luck tomorrow, mate. Thank you. So what's the schedule now that you have? I can actually technically play Charleston, and then I'm skipping the first week of playing Europe, and then I'll go to Madrid. Okay. If you're not winning the event, you're a loser every week. That's where I think tennis is really brutal in a way. They've had good shots of, like, downtown Melbourne, good shots of the hotel. It's a really good-looking series in terms of picture quality. She's standing on top of a suitcase trying to pack it in. One down. 43 to go. In tennis, you lose. So is she so leaving? More than you win. Sounds like it. But even when Looks you're a like champion and, and you come off the court losing, you ask yourself, am I good enough? Again, why is Maria Sharapova in this documentary? That's the whole point of the sport is that you're always searching, you're always trying. I don't necessarily want to hear from Maria Sharapova in this sort of context. Roddick is a much better analyst. Like, I trust what he says. I'm kind of confused as to why Sharapova's doing this. And she left under that cloud of uncertainty as well about her potential doping and the diabetes medication. 
Eh, I, it's not great. Yeah, it looks like Tomlanovic is leaving Melbourne and leaving Matteo behind to finish the tournament. Strange feeling because practice courts are empty, but the media is at a fever pitch, so it has a sense of gravity. You know, you, you can kind of feel the weight of the actual moment. It's like, okay, it's uh, it's go time. Are we are we ready to do this? Roddick is good at this stuff. He should call matches, but I guess he does not want to. He's just fine being an analyst off the set or in the studio. Like, his mental toughness is unbelievable. He never won against him. So now they're talking about the uh, Baratini-Nadal semifinal, I'm guessing. I was really close last year to win a slam. Don't want to feel that feeling again. So I know it's tough. I respect the task, but I believe I can do it. Thunderstrike. Men's semifinals. Four players remain. Jesus. Are we that dumb that we have to be told that? We have arrived at the men's semifinals matches. A spot in Sunday's final is up. Big rain closing that roof. That's a great shot with the rain. Great picture quality again. It's one of the biggest challenges you can ever face. Again, not hearing from Rafa makes it lose something. It, it makes the show worse, not hearing from the other guys that didn't sign the Netflix deal, which I don't believe Rafa did. The game plan is very clear. You're not going to get into extended rallies. Just being told by other guys what it was like to play Rafa is one thing. It's another to actually get him to sit and talk to you, which they were unable to do, it looks like. Get in there and punch him in the mouth. Like, you can't wait. Stepping in the court for a match like that it doesn't feel real. It's too good to be true. And his opponent today, Rafael Nadal. But at the same time, if you think you're playing against like some sort of god. Players do think they're... But players do think that. Players do think they're playing against a god. Just go back to the Alcaraz-Djokovic French Open semifinal last week from 2023 Roland Garros. Alcaraz said he cramped because he was playing Djokovic. It got in his head. It just happens to all these players. That's part of why they've been so dominant, these three guys. Because the opponents treat them like gods. They just do. They do, it's a real thing, it happens. It is quintessentially what Nadal is all about. Rock solid from start to finish. I'm not in the right mindset. I'm too happy to be there. I'm not feeling enough pressure. <laughs> This is all one-way traffic. I'm just a little worried here for Berrettini. You need to be fresh and the mind needs to believe. Not so sure it's right there at the moment for the Italian Stallion. I start to curse myself. I was thinking about my parents back home. Wow, now they're showing it. They're they're showing his parents' home, watching it on TV. I shouldn't feel happy for what is happening. I should feel embarrassed. Yeah. And suddenly I feel. The fear coming. 
Okay, now I'm gonna show you what I have inside. It's kind of like, okay, the show started. Tennis, 90% mental, Nobody's watching. as they say. It's peaceful. I like really to leave those moments because in a way I get to know myself way better when I'm there. This is who I am. It's much easier to be who you are when you're two sets to love down and there's no pressure. When you're down in the set count, beating them doesn't really matter nearly as much. You have to you have to do these things that he's talking about now when the score is tied or when you're ahead in the score. But we haven't really seen that consistently from these people that have tried to challenge the big three. I feel I have a chance there. It's now or never. But yeah, again, a routine Nadal four-set win against Matteo Berrettini. Really don't have that much to say about it, so I'm just going to let it play out here. don't want to lose all-time greats they're not afraid they're just like I'm doing it and they're not afraid to lay it on the line that's different and that's special Two match points. Man, they're hitting the ball hard. The match footage of this match here, it does a good job of capturing how the sound is and how hard these guys really hit the ball live. The Netflix cameras do a much better job than the TV coverage cameras do of capturing that, which is interesting to me, because when you're at a tournament live, that is something that is much more noticeable to you as the viewer or as the audience member. Good job, Netflix, on the tech stuff. What's your greatest fear? Feeling that I could have done more. He could have done more. I, like I didn't, uh, I didn't give everything that I had. In the first two sets of that match, no, he didn't. Like what my parents told me. Good shots here of his family. What can you do? He played well. I mean, Did he? Very proud of me. Next time, they say. Um, obviously, I'm disappointed for today's match. I expected for myself a little bit more, but it is what it is. I have to to learn. You cannot be in the court. I think like this uh, for the first two sets against a player like Rafa. He's right. I feel like. Doesn't matter how much you try, you just not good enough. It's uh, it's a tough word. 
Yeah, so this episode is completely unrelated to the first episode. Even the fact that they're at the same tournament doesn't feel relevant between the first and the second episodes of this series. If each episode is sort of self-contained, is that the best approach to doing a season-long documentary like this? Where you're trying to establish and develop and play out certain narratives over an extended period of time. It's going to be really hard to do that, again. And if you don't do that, you know, it, 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 it might feel like a disjointed series to the viewer. Like, instead of a five-hour movie, it's five one-hour movies about different topics. Is that the best way to do it? I don't necessarily know if it is. I don't think it is. This episode's definitely worse than the first episode. When are they going to actually slip? You just can't count greats out. Because... And they're, they're not actually talking about Rafa winning this tournament. They're kind of glossing over it. Because he didn't sit for the documentary. That makes the show worse. Coming up on episode three. When you want things so badly, Zachary looks like she'll be the subject for episode three at Indian Wells, maybe, maybe Taylor Fritz. It's the biggest match of my life. If I pulled out, I'd be. Oh, I'm interested in that. Could be career ending. In the. The, the quote-unquote career-ending injury that was completely faked, in my opinion. We'll see some Netflix uh, documentation of that, maybe. Maybe that'll prove me wrong. Again, we watch the credits here on, uh, on uh, Trip's Tennis Talk. Alright. But um, it looks like that's going to be that. So yeah, this episode... It was not as good as episode 1. I gave the first episode an 8 out of 10. This is definitely a step down. This is definitely a 7 out of 10. I just didn't find it that interesting. The, the stuff that they talked about, I don't find it relevant when I'm taping this on June 12th, 2023. Um, and uh, the amount of material they had I don't think it sustained uh, as well as it could have over an entire hour. Um, did I still enjoy it? <sighs> I enjoyed it less. It's borderline, but I'm going to say yes, I still enjoyed it. And um, that's going to do it for the live commentary for episode two of Breakpoint, Take the Crown. We'll catch you next time for part three.